And welcome to the Food Coma Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Rob Evans today, who really doesn't need the introduction, but Rob Evans, uh, chef, uh, used to be used to own Hugo's Restaurant in Portland, James Beard Award winner, Food and Wine Magazine, Best New Chef, Chopped Champion. <laughs> Rob, welcome. Thank you for being here. Good to be here, Joe. Yeah. I just love we're hanging out. Yeah, because we have more we, of a history together. <laughs> we have some history, yeah. but uh, we don't hang up, hang out enough. Yeah, I don't think that these days anybody technically hangs out enough unless you've been <laughs> well, with them since like February. Prior to 2020, we <laughs> yeah. didn't hang out enough. If you were hanging out yeah, with yeah. them in February, you've seen too much of them. Otherwise, yeah. you don't hang out enough with right. whoever it is. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, obviously, I used, to, I used to work for you at Hugo's in 2008. 2008, um, okay. Which time. Right before the, uh, it was like the calm before the storm. Yes. In a way. As far as... Um, James Beard. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, 09. Yeah. Yep, you're right. I left right before you won your James <laughs> Beard Award. Yeah, too uh, soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had an elderly customer named Norman who used to always come in. <laughs> yeah. Loved the guy. But, I, you know, I, I want to say towards the end of my restaurant career, but really, let's face it, my entire restaurant career, I'm very impatient. Like, I'm much better when it comes to, like, a shift where you have to be there until a certain time, like a yeah. minute of closing, and there's no options. But yeah. once it's like, okay, if there's nobody here, you're done. Yeah. And people come in at like two minutes too. Yeah, yeah. I just I lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and he would always do that to me. Yeah. But he was so nice. Yeah. So I'd always have to be like, okay, don't. Yep, with the shaky soup bowl. <laughs> yep. That up to his. I'd make him these twists yeah. that were like three feet long and lemon that he enjoyed in yeah, yeah. his martini. Yeah. And every now and then, yeah, he'd look, yeah. he'd like be eating soup and you'd look over and there'd just be soup all over his nose and you'd be like, Norman. Right. Well, you were legend. To have you at the bar was good, however long that was. How long was that? That was like nine months, which for me, you know. It's like we had a Fast Eddie, too. Legend. Yeah, you did. Legend, yep. <laughs> Dr. Barr. <laughs> Dr. Barr, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, those times, though, was the best that bar was. You know, it took uh, a lot was, finding someone for that environment. You well, know? it was fun. I think it was a time when you were trying to really grow the bar business. Um, your end of it was... Taking care of, you know, with the bar snacks, with those cheese puffs, mm. the general style sweet breads, I remember, the yeah. pig's ears, yeah. like the crispy yeah, puffy yeah, fried pig's ears. ears yeah. I mean, the appetizers were insane at the bar. Yeah. Uh, and then just trying to build the cocktail program on that, which was really fun. And actually, um, so my introduction to you was more in 2006 here. I brought a couple of menus with me. Oh, nice. You might recall. Is this the spicy? Yes. The chef's pepper menu. There's I two of them. did two different ones? We did a second one that was a little more of a, a, a chef's tasting with some extras, but the first one was like the full-on. So Rob, when he was at Hugo's, when he owned Hugo's, which he bought in uh, 2000, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, nice. Would do a custom menu. Was, what, was it 14 courses? Uh, chef's menu was call ahead. Yep. And it would be anywhere from like 12 to 18. Yeah. And so you could, and, and, and I think that you could obviously just be like, we'll do the chef's menu, uh, which back in the day was very popular. It's like a oh, chef's choice. But I personally felt that Rob was way more into it when you'd be like, hey, I want to do this theme. And so I was really themes. obsessed with insanely spicy food at that time. And I was like, Rob, what do you think about this? Like 12 to 14 courses, all heat, basically. Yeah. 
And this menu here, I mean, it was yeah. that was one of the most memorable meals of my entire life still to this day. That's good to hear. I, mem- I remember in the end, though, feeling like I didn't make it hot enough for you. You were like, yeah, I could use more heat. Because I was an <laughs> asshole back then. My stomach, and, lining, on, trust me, my stomach about, lining caught up to me. <laughs> I'm looking at the menu. What did we end you on? A habanero pepper popsicle. Yep, and still habanero popsicle that I'll never forget. Yeah. Your so palate good. was toast by then. That though. was you and Bill, right? <laughs> on the habanero popsicle yeah. tip. Yeah. That was fun though. It's just like you think of heat, you just think of peppers. Then you yeah. think then there's there's radish. Right. You did like radish heat, yeah. black pepper heat, mustard heat. Yeah. Like you you did you covered all the different styles. It was styles. a good challenge. Thank you. I'd, and I was funny because leading up to that meal, you know, I'd be talking to people who worked for you. I wasn't working for you yet. And they're like, Rob is really excited about this. He's been running around, like, <laughs> getting crazy, like, ingredients and shit. And, like, you know. I had a, a core of people who uh, would do these things. Sure, lots of people would do them, but there was repeats. You're one of them. And there was this other guy, Harold, who was an Olympic yep. wrestler. Remember him? I do. Was it, was it Harold, I think? Yeah, Harold, yep. And, uh, like, not fake wrestling, but real wrestling. <laughs> and he'd eat alone because yeah. people would distract him conversation. And he would just, like, I want all... Pig innards. Yeah. <laughs> he was obsessed or with the I biscuits. Or all eggs. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. He would just house those things. He house yeah. those. I mean, who I wouldn't house those biscuits? Love those challenges, yeah. I mean, it, it, do you think now, I mean, that see, that to me, and we talked about before we, you know, we were talking about doing this episode, like, just the, the changes uh, in society as far as the views towards food, especially in Portland, Maine. Um, and I feel like that kind of tasting menu thing, like mm. that doesn't really happen anymore. No. Anywhere. No, I'm sure here. in your higher end places. You know, yeah. the boys at Hugo's are still doing it. And, yeah. uh, but are you generally, but not like, like I've never heard anybody like making no. requests no. and getting a, this big custom. No. I mean, that was like a, I mean, that menu right there, I mean, that, <laughs> I mean, that, that was epic to any yeah. standard. Like, that was an incredible well, menu. You know, after the Beard Awards, we offered the blind tasting. I don't know if you were there for that. No, I was there for the blind tasting, like so, $95 or something for eight courses, I think. Um, it was five. Oh, and I had yeah. slides because eight courses would intimidate people. So we'd sell five and give yeah. them eight. Yeah. But uh, it was, um, we offered an a la carte. Yep. It's the safety net. So, oh, I'll, I can go for that. But Patrick. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick was to this day one of my favorite servers. The longest to work standing with in a Hugo's uh, um, employee ever. Yeah, who told me, like, when I was like, Patrick, <laughs> how do you not get so, because I get, you know, I, I had my, what I call nuclear meltdowns um, when people would, would rile me up. And Patrick, I'd be like, how, how are you so calm? And he's like, I just treat it like I'm always acting. On stage. He's yeah. Like, yeah, he's like, I treat yeah. it like I'm literally on stage all right. the time. <clears throat> that, like, I've never forgot that. Yeah. I don't know if it helped me, but I love that he's you know, like yeah. that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it's good for his emotional health, too, to think of it like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Not take it for too... For everybody, Not really. take it personal. Yeah. Well, this, is, this is all just a show. I mean, for anybody, really. Yeah. Kitchen or front totally. of the house. Don't take it personal. But the sell was... Um, so we have our la carte menu. You can choose off of that. And we also have what we call our blind tasting. It's what the chef thinks is the best in-house today. It's at his whim. And if you choose that, you... You, you can stop making choices right now. Yeah. Everyone would just go. Yep. So that was 80% after the James Beard Award, mm-hmm. where people would just come in and let me do whatever I wanted for them in a tasting format. And the chef's menu was still happening on the side. But it's 
for a chef, that's the best thing. That format is the most exciting thing that you can have. You know, I'm, it's sad that it's not a big thing anymore. I'm sure people are doing it. Maybe it'll come back. But to be able to orchestrate three hours of people's time with highs and lows and just totally have them in your hand. Right. You're is, telling them a story, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's an old French model and... Right. You know, we now we're American with our own style and stuff and fuck the French and all that stuff. But uh um it I've, is, I've never said fuck the French. Well, it um well I mean a lot of what we do here now is a mix of everything yeah. and now we're coming into our own. So that was the crossover from now uh till right. then. And Timing's everything, you know. What I what we're looking at here with these menus and talking about, that was like I think America waking up from yes. its fast food, whatever, coma. Yeah. And um, and that's what the lights turned on for me. Like it didn't. It wasn't right away. Like it went from the laundry, and that was like mind blowing. What Thomas was doing, and he's yeah. a big figure in like what's hap- happening today. And then um, it was year two, and I went and uh, worked with Grant Ackett's at Trio before. He had in just Evanston. got back from El Bulli, yeah. and he was just on fire. And actually, that was when I was in Chicago is when he was at Trio. Yes. Did you yeah. eat at Trio? I never ate at Trio. I used to go to this restaurant called Campagnola in Evanston. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I had a bunch of friends that, place, that worked yep. there. That's um, right. You're from Chicago, I forget that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Actually, I lived in Rogers Park for uh, of the good portion of it, so I was right next to Evanston. This was Grant with no money. Yeah. And uh, trying to present food that uh, people did not too. get. Yeah, pre all that. This yeah. is him on fire, and I went there and staged for a week. That he fed us uh, thirty-two courses. It's the most memorable tasting. Um, I'd ever had because it was all new back then yeah. and that's when it clicked it's like holy shit this is a medium food is a medium yeah. and, it, and you could create your own techniques you could create your own style it wasn't bound anymore to uh, before that it was like oh you had to call it this right. or you had to call it that boom cuffs are off and so wow you could uh, as long as it's delicious yeah um, you could create your own style and it was super inventive and it was a really exciting time in this country where it was like, oh my God, not only is this new, but in the United States, we're not bound to any like history. It was yeah, almost a benefit. Yeah. There was no history because pot, of that. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. It, there is no, yeah. The only American cuisine I can think of is cheeseburgers and brisket yeah um and <laughs> that's what we're back to again yeah now yeah, that that, that the is the <laughs> i was about to say it's like so you know you were having these these experiences with, with grant now, of course in you know the 90s like nobody in america knew about el Bouilly, like right? right i mean that was more no, of a, no. mid, it took like bourdain going there and doing that episode right almost, uh, right sort of expose that whole culture and even the whole concept of like molecular gastronomy if you will which is not a term that anybody really says anymore. No one likes it. Nobody likes that term yeah. anymore. Um, it always reminds me now of Marcel from Top Chef, who was the worst. Uh, season two. He was the one they held down that cut his hair, and one of the guys got kicked off the show. Okay. Um, actually, that was the season that Sam Talbot was on. Um, do you know who he is? 
I might have watched a couple of seasons of that I don't really on or something. We'll, we're going to get into it a little bit more about why I don't really watch those kind of shows anymore. But I did watch Top Chef for the first like five seasons. And Sam Talbot, now he was the one back in 2015 who came and ran The Pig and Poet in Camden uh, in the Whitehall. Okay. He like came from New York and he... He's got this, you know, career as like a cookbook, uh, cookbook author, and he was on Top Chef, and that's you know, okay. a restaurant that I guess was fairly popular in New York, and it's unfortunately fell under that umbrella of people who come to Maine, and we know there are a lot of people who don't need to be named, but who they they come from New York or Chicago, and just be like, well, I'm just gonna, people are just gonna be so blown away by me because they've never seen yeah. anything like this there, right. you know. And they have that mentality, which I find very condescending and insulting, and it's very obvious usually when that's the case, you know. So, but I, but I, it was justified because we went to this. I went to this press dinner, to sort of that was sort of supposed to be the intro, right? And as far as to demonstrate how out of touch these people can be, um, the menu was so disjointed. I was so hungry that night. I wish I had brought food. I drank so much alcohol, yeah. and I didn't have any food. But the, but the most comical thing was that showed how out of touch he was, was he did a whole fish course. And what was it? Haddock. Okay. He served a whole roasted haddock. And we're all like, um, and I'm like, okay, I don't think you'd serve haddock like this. And like, maybe I'm wrong. And I went to taste it. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. not wrong. There's a yeah. reason. Yep. Soggy skin yeah, and all. Like stuffed with yeah. like lemon and herbs. And I'm like, this isn't a sea bass. Right. Like, it's yeah. like an haddock, dude. Right. Like, this, it, was, it was the yeah. most comically terrible meal. Of maybe and my probably life. huge. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, it was almost like he panicked last minute. It was like I have to find local. Stuff. Otherwise, it'd be a whole roasted scrod, which might be a little more fun. Might be more fun. <laughs> uh, Just to say the word scrod is, is, is if you fill your scrod with kumquats, that would be <laughs> yes. the best way to do it. But yes, scrod with cod milk. <laughs> now, okay, so you keep leading me into things. That's what I, I figured would happen with you. Um, hey, if you're taking anything from this, don't roast haddock and serve it whole. That's not what yep. we do. Um, cod mills. So cod sperm, <laughs> uh, shirako uh, in Japanese. Yep. Um, another shared experience you and I had, and we're going to bounce around a lot, but uh, was being on the Andrew Zimmern show in 2008. Uh, yes. Bizarre Foods came to we, town. Were you working for us then when he came? Uh, no, I was unfortunately working at Evangeline uh, at the time. Okay. <laughs> Which I don't. You, man, you have been everywhere. Jesus. I, there was a day, yeah, people were always like, well, you know everybody in town. I'm like, yeah, but now I don't know anybody. Like, there was a yeah. time I'd work for anybody, everybody but like Harding and Dana, basically, yeah, you know? Okay. But now it's like, I'm like, I haven't worked in any place. But so Andrew Zimmern came to town in 2008 uh, to do an episode of Bizarre Foods. Who's an awesome dude. He just a great guy is delightful, right? Yeah. His dad lives in Portland, so he had a connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he let you know. And this is back in 2008, so this is when, you know, this is prior to Andrew Knowlton, which also is funny because we did the death match for the Bizarre Food Show, and the death match was also what Knowlton oh, had come nice. to in 2009, okay. where he had proceeded to right after call Portland the foodiest small yes. city, whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, but so yeah, Andrew Knowlton covered our death match, and he covered your. Cod sperm chowder. Like yes. he came in, Patrick yep. waited on them. Yeah. And I think he used the word money shot, the phrase money shot uh, at one <laughs> yeah, point. Patrick was so happy to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, he was. Anyone would be. Yeah. I mean, cod sperm, to me, it's like, it's like tofu. Yeah. Essentially, it's right? super I mean, silky. I mean. Yeah. How do they get it? I mean, they don't jerk off the fish. No, it's, it's just a 
funny word. It's cod, cod milt. It's a reproductive organ, a male oh, cod. So There's not liquid sperm. in it. No, it's a okay. innards, basically. Because it seems like it could technically be, I mean, because it just has a color. It doesn't really have a, I've never seen yeah. it not cooked, so I don't know. Well, I've had it um, steamed and pickled at masses, and it's been really good. At you know, masa miyakis or a masa? Yeah. Oh, yeah, masa yeah. yeah and, you uh, serve it fried as well. And um, I, used to I use it as a, like, to flavor chowder. Like, we were on this cod. First of all, my parents are from Newfoundland. Yeah. So well, I, you had a dish on your menu called Rob's Love Affair with Cod. Yes, I, that's right. I forgot that. You did. Well, my, my, <laughs> both my parents from Newfoundland grew up, like, eating cod. And then when uh, we first opened Hugo's, it, it struggled. You know, we were the small rest, small plate restaurant. Yeah. Pork belly, people thought was guts. I yeah. mean, it was a lot of people uh, education. Yeah. Yes. So I found out uh, at Brown Trading that they had cod heads they were throwing away for uh, fertilizer. I was like, oh, can I buy those cod heads? So Rod sold them to me like 30 cents a pound. And we take out the cheeks, take out the tongue, we take out the throat, and it was more of a survival thing. And then yeah. it just became a signature. Yeah. Like cod cheeks and all that. Which and in the end, you know, it was the best part of the damn fish. It right? added up to this uh, chowder. It was the love affair thing, which was like cod um, stock thickened with cod milt, yeah. loin, puffed skin. Cod botarga, just like this cod uh, uh, bomb in the end. But yeah. cod stayed consistent through the whole 12 years that I owned it. Cod, yeah. which is that. sad right now. Cod's struggling. That's, it was, there's so cod much cod around much, yeah. for decades, centuries, hell, for forever. For a while, there wasn't even a lot of haddock. It was like everybody was buying yeah. cake. Now you get fresher haddock from Norway than you get from, from Maine. Maine. Yeah. Sad. So actually, I want to get a little bit into your... Uh, you know, we start talking about with with, with Grant. Um, so you were at the French Laundry, and that was the that was before in Little Washington, correct? Yes. What uh, year no. Was that? Um, yep. In Little Washington, no. Uh, French Laundry was after in Little Washington. After, okay. And Trio was. Trio was when we owned Hugo's. Oh, you were just over there. You were yeah. just working with. So him. I had worked with Grant at the Laundry, and at the time. I was like, who's this hotshot kid? Like, I, I yeah. grabbed his coffee mug by mistake, and he, like, dumped out my coffee. It was just like, it's my cup. <laughs> yeah, he seems intense. And I like that story he tells about when he invented, like, the truffle explosion. Yeah. And served it to Keller, and he was like, okay, I mean, if I put this on my menu, this becomes my yeah. dish. Right. And not yours. So do you right. want to put this on the menu? And he was like, <laughs> I guess, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of... That's interesting that Keller would be like that. I mean, I, you know, like, I mean, how, how was working well, for him compared you know, to... Uh, you know, uh, Grant named his son Keller. I didn't know that, actually. They, yeah, those two are as tight as can be. And uh, Grant, well, when I was at the laundry, outside of that coffee incident, I'm watching this guy, he's 23 years old, running that kitchen. How old were you? 32? 33? Dinosaur. I'm late. I'm late in the game, big time. <laughs> um, but... uh to this day, I clean fish how he showed me, yeah. and uh, just watching him, I, he was impressive. And you know, amongst many impressive cooks there, and then uh, not driven, <laughs> driven. Okay, Is that word genius gets thrown around yeah. in our in most industries. Ours too. True genius, like what the fuck, genius. Like I didn't hear from him for a couple years. 
And then uh, he already opened Trio, and I was like, oh, I know this guy. It was as simple as that. And I called him up. He's like, yeah, you can come out. And I did a week uh, out there staging with him and watching Grant fresh off of El Bulli stage himself on his own, ready to make it, and all this shit that he just invented for his food. He was also in the process of inventing all the little contraptions that are now in a linear thing. Yeah. So that was the biggest, biggest influence, bigger than Keller, bigger than anything else, was uh, that time at Trio watching Grant going, holy fuck, man, I'm looking at this the whole wrong way. I can just invent techniques, Mm -hmm. can make stuff up, you can have fun. That was a big part of it, too. And Keller had a lot of that in his food. You know, tongue in cheek and all those little cliches, very subtle. But his dishes have become really iconic at this point, to the yes. point where they're almost played out. Yes, you know, like the French Laundry Cookbook well, was such a like revolution. I mean, that was like, I don't think there's ever been a cookbook that had generated that kind of no excitement. No, and everything in that book works. Yeah, everything too. from like the cones with the caviar and the salmon or whatever, you know, all that. Like, yeah. well, again, we're jumping around here, but from the in Washington. <laughs> They got me a tryout at the laundry because they are Relais Chateau and, yep. and uh, they got me a tryout out there and no guarantees. And I just packed up everything and drove out there. And the book just came out by coincidence. So I'm driving out to my tryout looking at that book going, fuck. what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it had impact. Anyone in the industry can't deny the impact of that book. Ruth Rachel just called it the most exciting place in the country to eat. And that's when I showed up there was when that whole buzz was going on, the book was released, and they're being hailed as this epic. And I got the job. I was ready to work somewhere else. I'm like, ah, if I don't get the job, I'll just work in Napa for right. a little bit. Like, Anybody who's job. ever worked there, it just it leaves this lasting impression yeah. on them. It's always like there's always some comparison or some kind of callback from their time at the laundry with what they do yes. now. And I think yes. that's absolutely amazing. And now, actually, I'm curious. So, you know, in a little Washington... And these are also restaurants that are like, people don't talk as much about the iconic restaurants anymore. Right. Um, they they kind of came to a little bit of a more of a height in the 2000s mm. when, yeah. I hate to say it, but I mean, Food Network kind of put a lot of, you know, the red state America, you know, made them aware yeah. of a lot of these places they had no idea about. There was lots of good things about Food Network and there's lots of things I don't like about it, but it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. Uh so in a little Washington, um, I've always been intrigued. So basically, when you, like when you're getting seated there, it's almost like it's like church, right? Like, don't they have like an incense thing? And Dude, like a, like that what? place. Tell me about in a little Washington. Do we have an hour? Yeah, I'll try to consolidate it for five minutes. Yeah, five, I, there, want, I want one first hour. First of all, condensed five, and I also want a comparison versus working for Thomas Keller. Sure. Is it Patrick? Sure. Patrick, Patrick O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. So. They basically take over this rural town of Virginia, Rappahannock County, and he buys up houses. He lives in a house, yeah. in Washington, and it is just, it's the, to this day, they're the only three-star restaurant and inn in the country in the style of like what you'd see in France and whatnot. Really hard the to get ones? that Relais Chateau. And he just got his um, third Michelin star two years ago. It's on American Masters on PBS if you nice. want to watch the whole I process. I will watch that. I love that, yeah. But um, it is just... I got there right after they built their $5 million kitchen. Just the kitchen. 
This is unbelievable. $2,000 yeah. bronze trash cans. Yeah. And the kind of kitchen that people would, would was, as in a, the term I've used, they'd yeah. piss nickels for. And uh, it had to be air-conditioned because they had a kitchen table in there. Mm-hmm. So, Before But what I learned there. there, the food was simple but progressive in its time. But it was the, their service, how they treated customers, that was like mind-boggling. So if you came in... Uh, and you had a spat with your wife, and they overheard that, boom, they have a chalkboard, table six, uh, number five. And it was everyone's job to raise that five to a 10 by the time they left. And that meant free appetizers, free champagne, as simple as smiles from everyone walking by. They'd go as far as going out and washing people's cars out in the driveway, just over the top, service that's, like you haven't seen before mind blowing <laughs> and that's you know washington in a nutshell right there is wow. you go there and you are just treated like royalty and they are serving royalty so many people from dc yeah. fly out there they have a helicopter pad gore was there when i was i was there so dc is a big part of there it's an escape for a lot of people from uh, dc it's and amazing it, that the dining experience can you know that it can become that yes like even you know that's so far beyond the food and the service and the wine yeah you know like the just human the human like you know we're gonna fix this person's mood we're gonna <laughs> flip that person we're gonna flip right. that person that that's it's insane to me i, I mean <clears throat> i've never eaten there I, it's on my bucket yeah. list for sure oh well, he was the first one in the country too to say no dress code it's not up to you to tell people what to, to tell wear. people what to do you come in how what's most comfortable for you so it was awesome. And, how, and what is his temperament like compared to Thomas Keller? Completely different. Yeah. Well, he's, he's more dis, he's not as uh, on hands with the food as Keller was. Yeah. He, and he's older too. When I got there, he's right. been, he's still doing it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but he comes in through service. He tastes everything and expedited, you know, and he's a hard ass and very precise and he's got a palate and everything else. Thomas was uh, different in that way. Actually, when uh, Patrick got me the tryout there, he goes, Thomas does things different out there. <laughs> but yeah. just to uh, <laughs> circle back to the incense myth, so yeah. they would have a, they had a kitchen table with a fireplace and everything. Yeah. And it would, like, Greenspan would eat there and all these celebrities would eat there and stuff. So when there's a kitchen table, they play Gregarian chant music right. in the kitchen. <laughs> Incense, like you said, they have a guy come over dressed like an altar boy with rose water bowl to wash your hands. And we're, and this is, it could be a busy Saturday night, we're told not to shout. So, you know what kitchen's like, right? You'd be sitting there yeah. going, hey, fire three fra on table 10. And we'd be whispering yeah, to each other. Nights. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah. Oh. So that's, that's the, uh, where that myth came from, or it's not a myth, incense and it's all real. that other stuff, it's real. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me, those are the kind of meals, I think that the, you know, I think a lot of us, and I'm not sure if you, with me, it's like you get, after all these years of all this food hype, you start to get kind of jaded because you have so many experiences of people just trying too hard and they don't really, yeah. they're just kind of emulating something they saw somewhere yeah. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm never mean to people. I usually go by the, um, I know you're a fan of the golden rule, 
but I actually, I like the whole, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at just all. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually, especially yeah. in a small community like this, you know, I yeah. can make fun of Sam Talbot because he's not from here. Yeah. He'll never be back here. So whatever. Uh, but um, it's so amazing to have these experiences that bring, that, that remind you of how incredible all this can be. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the first uh, in Portland. It was, I mean, there was your menu with the peppers. The first time I ever ate a Miyake, uh, the old Miyake that yeah. I eventually went to work at. I worked at based on this the one experience. on Spring Street. Yes, the one I was yes. at Masa. Um, if you'd like, and he called me like two months later out of the blue. It's uh, like, you want a job? And I'm like, yeah. And it was rice. my favorite restaurant job I've ever had just for all those reasons. Yeah. And, and again, an up and coming chef. At his base level, yeah. trying to make it happen on At a, a shoestring. We had so many sushi restaurants, remember, in yeah. town that we were like, yeah. really, another sushi restaurant? But he wasn't just that. No, not, what not my favorite was the, uh, the, uh, the pig intestine, right? Was that yakitori? Yeah, the motsu. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. He did the, yeah, the motsu yakitori. Yeah. He'd do like those like river fish and like the, the firefly squid. So, I mean, this first time I ate there, it was before like there was any concept there of like food cost, and it was BYOB. Yeah. So it was seventy five dollars. I went with Deets, my roommate, and I. Uh, seventy five dollars, and he fed us each eighteen courses, and he just kept feeding us. He like, "You're still hungry?" Yeah, yeah, and I love that. Drinking, Checking in yeah, on he you. Kept, we kept <laughs> drinking sake. He was like, "I don't know how many <laughs> courses people normally ate there." But, yeah. Like, the thing that stood out to me still to this day is that like, with the initial sashimi course. He handed us each a fresh wasabi root and a sharkskin grater yeah. to like grate the wasabi yeah. ourselves, and I was like, I have yeah. never had yeah. anything like this. You know, yeah. We had the two of us. We drank four bottles of sake during this meal because we like to drink. But that was like you know when a meal leaves an, leaves an impression on you like that. And he's still at the helm. He's still he's the real deal. He he's is. still cooking. Yeah. He's gone through a lot. I mean, this, things are very different now than they yeah. were then. Uh, obviously, as a restaurant owner, you know, yeah. you know, there's a difference between owning a small space on Spring Street to now owning, you know, yeah. three restaurants. <laughs> like well, that, like just that, you know. duck fat spins my head. Yeah. You know, being in the even with Hugo's was just like it's all too much for me. I'm, I'm built for like one thing, <clears throat> so it's impressive. He has those things going on, and he's still in the kitchen at uh, Miyaki. Yeah. I ate seven hours at Piccolo. I forget the name of this Italian dinner that they would do. They would kill it. And, you know, I've eaten a lot of yeah. tasting menus. Uh, Alinea's five hours. And you know, Damien, with an intermission. Was this, Damien was on this podcast with Fred. Oh, episode. perfect. Oh, yeah, both, I saw that. Both. I didn't yeah, listen yeah, yeah. to it, but I saw it <laughs> yeah. in your thing. But, so, uh, sorry, you were just saying. Like, it was uh, seven hours of. At Piccolo? Yeah, of them, I forget, there's some Italian tradition they were showing, and it was cool yeah. the way they did it. Some of it was shared. Yeah. And they wouldn't change it out all like the seven silverware. Fishes or anything, wasn't no, it? No, they wouldn't change out all the um, silverware or all the glasses. It was really casual. Yep. And we live across the street, so we just go and relax and then come back and then come back. And it was just awesome. And then Ilma sent us home with this peach-looking cake ball that in the morning you're eating that. And all everyone that ate the meals like, holy shit, man! Have you eaten that thing? Yeah. <laughs> right? Friggin' Ilma sent us home with what the fuck? Oh, damn! It was funny. Every um, time I, I was a, I was dating a certain person for a little while, and it was like that was sort of the place we would go. And yeah. I would always get the same thing because I was obsessed with that 
his cavatelli with lamb neck. Oh my god, I felt so lame ordering that every time I, I did went every time in. too. And they'd be like, and they'd be like, Damien wants you to try it. I'm like, well, damn me, man, if I don't try that. <laughs> but then I'd always get the, um, there was the, like this mysterious. Well, you're man. in the business, so that's so lame. You're like, I know, I'm sorry. But I'm like, it's sorry. so good. <laughs> and and there's this mystery man from Abruzzo who got them their meat and cheese. And the yeah. meat and cheese plate there was always so ridiculously I'm, I'm good. Sad that closed through this whole pandemic thing, but I'm happy for the two of them. Exactly. They, all their energies right. now are at Cheval. And I see they're also doing pasta, uh, retail pasta that yeah. I saw. Yeah. So whatever yeah, it takes. We, we love them. <laughs> but we also loved Bresca. Uh, oh, yeah. Krista. Holy yeah. shit. What talent. Well, I mean, I worked with Krista. So I've known her. Um, I met her in 2003. We worked together at Market Side Grill in the public market. Oh, at the uh, old Portland public market, Market Side Grill. That was Wasn't after um, commissary. After my, the commissary. My, uh, Matthew but Kenny. Sh- whatever. She worked for Kenny for a little bit, though. No. No, she did not. She, she worked. Okay. She was working for Guy Savoie in Vegas before she came. Yeah, to that's the all. Portland public Just Guy Market. Savoie. Yeah, that's to all. the Portland public market. This like place that eventually became a place yeah. for, like homeless people to use the bathroom and like high school people to hang out during study hall. Yeah, like that was. I always like to talk about how the public market of happened now yeah. would be very different than what happened to it then. Yes. But so you had Krista working in this restaurant, making these desserts that like I was not really a dessert person, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden I chase these things and I'm like, these are ethereal. These are like so refined. Absolute goddamn perfection. Yeah. And she was like really funny. It's like we got along really well, but she like, but when people that like worked with her who didn't do a good job, they were not they yeah. were afraid. Could you imagine being <laughs> like, in that small kitchen next oh, to her? Well, she was it's like, like being next to Damien in that small kitchen. You either step uh, up or get out of the way. Exactly. Yeah. It's like and you and I would watch people fuck up. And it didn't go well for them. And I was always thankful to be just a, a server who had a lot of things in common. And now we've been friends yeah. ever since. But, you know, and then when Krista started doing, obviously, savory food at Bresca, or she's always been doing it, but to show that, you know, both sides of it was incredible. And that restaurant, yeah. like, some of the most memorable meals there. Uh, Epic. Yeah. I thought Ilma and Damien were a great carryover from her. Couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't be a more appropriate people. carryover. Yeah. yeah. They, kinda, they kept yeah. it going in that same way. And now, obviously, with uh, I appreciated her. Um, she checked out of uh, Bresca right when we were selling Hugo's for the same reason, like quality of life reasons. I really respected that for her because she was like on the James Beard list. Yeah. And she, she, she has had, a kid. You don't have a kid. She has, we have a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> Word. <laughs> All our friends with kids in the business, me and Nancy, like, this business is tough, but with kids. Oh, my God. I couldn't imagine. Oh, my God. I don't even do anything useful in my life. I couldn't imagine having kids. Oh. <laughs> so what's no. your dad do? He yeah. drinks a lot and does yeah. podcasts. <laughs> He's a real winner. Um, we've, we've got staff of 40. That's our kids. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. I have a cat. Well, that's I my can kid. fire them if they bug me. You can. You we can't don't. fire you. We can't, don't. But, but you can't fire can't kids. your kid. I mean. But. If you had to. You should be able to, I think. I think it, I, I should yeah. have been fired as a kid. I think it would have made me a better person. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, you know what? Enough of you. Yeah. You know what? No, you're not Actually, getting a to second get fired chance. from our company takes a lot. you yeah. got to like, you gotta like steal, show up yeah. drunk, smoke weed on the job, yeah. yell at someone. Just, yeah, it takes a lot to get fired. And all from those four things at once have to like, happen simultaneously. All we require is small bits of forward movement, and you're in. Do we have any more wine? I, I have a bottle in there. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we should. And we are back. <laughs> we are just discussing the age-old chef tradition of uh, Rob. Tell us about 
cornstarch and why it plays such an why it had played such an important role in a chef's life before Gold Bond came out with their <laughs> um, their that, that little um, chafe stick. You're talking thing. about countering chef ass. Yeah, yeah. Because Gold Bond has a thing now; it's almost like a deodorant like yeah. stick, but it's for it's you know, really just scented cornstarch. Yeah, it's just scented cornstarch. Yeah, so because there's nothing worse than getting the the swamp donkey. <laughs> nope, and uh, in every kitchen there's. Cases of cornstarch, they're yeah. waiting to solve the problem. And, you know, I think more front of the house people don't know about that. And it's worse being in the front of the house because you're running around the dining room starting to chafe. And that's well, like, literally, you're walking bow-legged. You don't want a grumpy waiter. Oof. You can't yeah. ignore it. It's the kind of pain. It like, soothes everyone. You can start <laughs> drinking. And even when you sit down for your shift it's drink really and good. it still hurts. And you're like, oh. It's all in the name of uh, customer satisfaction. Because yep. if we're happy, you're <laughs> happy. happy. So, yes, don't cornstarch. You know, it's good for a lot of things. Nice. <laughs> Any restaurant yeah. kitchen worth yeah. its salt in the employee bathroom, there should be a box of cornstarch. <laughs> right in the bathroom. Exactly. Just don't mix it with food preparation. Yep. It's not the same. Don't make a slurry. <laughs> yeah, label it. <laughs> yeah, label, label it. <laughs> for human use and the human <laughs> consumption. Two different things. So... Yeah, you have several, I mean, we haven't really talked about your kind of milestones. I mean, so obviously, working for all these people for, you know, in Little Washington, French Laundry, um, you were at the Goose Cove, Goose Cove Inn, was it? Goose Cove Lodge. Goose Cove Lodge, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, which is where Aragosta is now in Dira, which mm-hmm. is amazing that we hooked up there. We're just there two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah, yep. it was amazing. Um, but, you know, when you came and you took over Hugo's, which I have to say, I, I still think it's funny that it's called Hugo's because it's named after somebody from a very long time ago. Yes. <laughs> like, it's just like, I, I have to be honest, I would probably and, change the name at this point. Well, but also, too, when we took it over, we went under the uh, radar. So me and Nancy took over Hugo's yeah. with no money. Right. Uh, owner finance bank gave us a character loan, which is this mysterious loan no one gets. A we got loan? one. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that was a yep, thing. Yeah, we had uh, people in town, Dana Street. Which stuff. bank was this? I got to go talk to them. <laughs> uh, Norway. Okay, they've been go, really good I'm to us. Go put on the charm offensive. And we opened up Hugo's with two thousand dollars working capital. Holy shit, man! And a dining room that we were just beside ourselves. So yeah. we're like, let's just go under the radar. Getting some revenue. We renovated in 2002. But then we started getting attention. And then we're like, oh, it's changing the name bad now. Should we just keep it? We went back and forth. I wanted to call it um, Franklin and Middle. Which, was, which would be very of the time. Very of the time. Like 555. Yep. Yes, all that. Franklin and Middle, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we stuck. Uh, we st- it's a strong name. I think yeah. that Hugo's is better than Franklin and Middle. Yeah. Now. Right. Back then, it would have been better. Back then, maybe, yes. <laughs> but now, yes. <laughs> you go, at yeah. least you can be like, who the fuck's Hugo? Right. <laughs> you know? Totally. And you can be like, I'll tell you exactly who he is. <clears throat> Robinson. It felt good, though, renovating. Like, a year and a half, Yeah, we were just, like, cringing over what we had going on there. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. But it all, like... It was one of those things, like, Miyake on Spring Street. Well, now, you know, Where, people... like, you come into this space, and you're like, wow, this food I'm having here is incredible. It's not what I expected. Like, it's kind right. of, you know... So you, 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 you took over Hugo's in 2000, and then not much, not much later, in 2004, uh, Food & Wine awarded you Best New Chef. Yes. Uh, which is... Game changer. Game changer. Which, Grant, so you get to vote. 
I so vote. Grant they, they got it. Me, the, they have me vote for that, actually. Grant got it the year before, and he called me up. He goes, hey, I just voted you. I was like, really? You haven't even eaten here. He's like, no, I know what you're doing. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. And, uh, it's we, not about your restaurants, about and you. And also, when I was out there, he's like, so what are you doing to... Uh, to uh, advertise your restaurant. And I'm just, we're just, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to win the neighborhood over plate by plate. And he's like, he's probably like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I think what changed a lot of the restaurant game, for better or for worse, I think it started in like 2007, was the, the rise of the food blogger, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, <laughs> which I really, I, I'm pretty easygoing. <laughs> the one thing that really kind of bothers me is people still like, like he's a blogger, and I'm like, I haven't had a food blog for a really long time. Yes, <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've you know, I get paid to write. I don't really do this. Yep. You know, that was something we, we were all doing back then. Right. You know, I started in 2009. Yeah, it was the <laughs> you know, uh, the end of the food critic. Enter the blogger. Enter the blogger. Right. right? I mean, that just like, and now be- because you can eat, your opinion matters. Yeah. It's yep. like if I was to judge classical music because I can hear. I can judge That's it. That's actually a really great analogy. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and then, that, I mean, I feel like you got out of Hugo's at the right time, given all that, like the people's soapboxes and Yelp yeah. and, you know, their whole, like, why do you want yes. to even deal? Because I know that you don't want to, but you also kind of, kind of can't help but get annoyed with people, you know, when people are saying shit that you don't agree with yeah. about what you're doing. Yeah. You don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Now it doesn't matter. But back then it uh, mattered more. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it had impact. Now it's just like... Well, now it's, it's like... It's another glitch. Like, right. Yeah. But if somebody was like, I went in, you know, I got the 14-course custom-tasting menu that was like, took him, you know, three days to put together. Yeah. It was all right. I it mean, was there okay. were certain things you know, that were... Yeah. Eh. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. Right. <laughs> like, you know, <clears throat> dealing with that now, yeah. I couldn't really imagine. Um, well, we didn't have a lot of bad like in the beginning we got crucified it hurt in the beginning like uh, hugo's. oh hugo's small yeah. portions oh hugo's our customer is like yeah. pork belly what the hell's that <laughs> and uh these guys coming in going oh if you offered free breadsticks here you know it'd be really helpful and wow. <laughs> so you know in the beginning in being green myself yeah. and then eventually you realize you know you're not gonna make everyone happy there's different restaurants for different people and <clears throat> but we monitor that information. Like at Duck Fat, I'm not monitoring any of that stuff. We have our staff monitor it. And if they see a pattern, we look at it. And we go, oh, this, we should look at this. So it's, right. it's not personal anymore. No. Those <laughs> if, I think those it's are, valid information, actually. If it, exactly. If, it, yeah. if enough of it comes in and it's uniform. I think there was a phase, again, back in 2007, 8, where it's like anytime a blogger or anybody would, would write something, like there were certain restaurant owners that would like react to that immediately, and try to change things on their menu. Yeah, and you're like, what? Like this yeah. person <clears throat> for one never, dude, yeah, has no qualification. You know, like yeah, right. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was, but that was definitely it's not it's not something you can ignore as far as food culture. No, no, you in have this to. Millennia, uh, you know. And um, I'll have to go back to you, uh, your hatred of the Food Network, because we all have that. But it's a love hate. Let's go back to early Food Network, like Molto Mario Food Network. Um, Emerald, Emerald, before yeah. his like crazy show with the Not music Emerald band. Emerald Live, Emerald Essence of Emerald, Essence of Emerald. Yeah, uh, Bare- Iron Chef, Barefoot Contessa in Japan. 
Yes, the Japanese Iron Chef, which was like I feel eye like opening in so many ways. The Food Network helped launch an awakening. I don't like that word, but a, a waking up to it like is. food knowledge, yeah. like like um, 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 Julia Child did back in the '60s. Emerald and the Food Network did, and yeah. it started like. Oh, people are like, oh, now I know what this is. Yeah. Now I know well, all of a sudden, is. like that relative's house you didn't want to go to before because their food fucking sucked. Yeah. All of a sudden, they've been watching Food Network, and now they make yeah. food that's like right, right. edible. It got people Because cooking. they're like, oh, I want to look and find out how to make well, food. That's, on you know. top of that, they go out to restaurants, and they feel like they've got... They don't feel... Like, the worst thing is, um, and we battled this at Hugo's, not making people feel like they're not educated on food. How to make them feel relaxed... And understanding, and the and Food Network helped business, educate. Really. Yeah, yeah, help educate the customer and feel better about going out, and it definitely contributed to uh, what we have today. Yeah. Now it's like, oh my god! Like these reality cooking shows on Netflix, it's everywhere. It's overwhelming. It's, it's sort of debunked. Yeah. Like everybody's idea of a high-end restaurant was the one from Ferris Bueller, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I think right. is Le Francais or, or one yeah. of those, you know, yeah. like right. uh, you know that snooty. <laughs> like yeah. people yeah. were all, you know, they they became more comfortable to go out and actually be like, oh, I, I heard on Food Network that I should ask the sommelier, yeah, if you know, just ask them their opinion, and they won't yeah. judge me. You know, I don't have right. to get nervous and try to impress yeah. people, right? You know, well, it's like we went to. Uh, I was on this bender <clears throat> with Nancy for like five years, going to all the best restaurants in the country, and like, eating well, all you've the been tastings. on a bender with Nancy in general. <clears throat> in general, thank you. <laughs> and I feel it ended with um, Charlie Trotters. It was like the most perfect food, but the most callous, yep. cold environment. And we're like, wow, this can totally be mechanized. Like good food can yep. be mechanized. And made so precise without any soul. Yep. I'm sure you've eaten there. Well, I have Chicago. not eaten there, but I used to hang out with Belinda Chang, who was the sommelier there. Uh, she's very active in the wine business. So she was amazing. Like, the staff there was amazing. Uh, that was when I was working at Nine Steakhouse um, <clears throat> in Chicago. But what I remember is um, in 2005, my a girl, a girl I was dating at the time was working for a company that put on a lot of food trade shows. And we had the opportunity to pick up Anthony Bourdain at the airport and bring him to the show. We were like, we ran his Q&A, like, where's assistance for the day? And then brought him back to the airport. This is 05. So this is after, like, the Le Hall book had come out. Yep. But it wasn't quite, you know, like, Cook's right, Tour right. He was wasn't out. the personality. It, was, it wasn't Norris. Yeah. It was only a Cook's Tour. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, it gets confidential. So... On the way back to the airport, you know, I remember, I'll never forget him in the back seat, smoking butts, uh, talking, and he, Charlie Trotter somehow came up, and he's like, you know, Charlie Trotter, man, he's like, that guy cooks like a guy who's never been properly fucked in his whole life. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's what he said. That was like, and that's like one wow. of those things. I remember, I remember everything about like how it looked over my shoulder, yeah. back at him in the back seat, yeah, yeah. and him just being like, you know, man, yeah, deal with that guy great. is. <laughs> and right. Like, it was yeah. incredible. Wow, that's really good. And that pretty much yeah. encapsulates so what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is yeah. not to be. I, I've actually waited on him, um, and he was very pleasant, uh, tipped quite well, and it was perfectly fine. But and you certainly can't discount what he did for no, American that, cuisine. Those those books he came out with uh, was a huge inspiration yeah, back in the day. Is, is, is yeah. you know he's in the pantheon. Yeah, right. But at the right. same time. 
there is that element of soul and sensuality, yes. and that's what makes food. That's what well, makes trio the, or the Miyake, meal you know, we had was a business. He had figured out how to yeah. like lock down the business of Charlie Trotter. And then again, it goes back to me and Nancy at Hugo's or yeah. Grant a trio. Those, now, he was uh, early days in the kitchen, I believe. Right. Also, he was pretty, yeah. but in a different way than like say Marco Pierre White. <laughs> yeah, not punching people, <laughs> but <laughs> still pretty callous. And like he would like emotionally take you down. Yeah. yeah. So as if it maybe it yeah. almost feel better if somebody did punch you. Yeah. Instead of say the things to you yeah. <laughs> that he could say. Yeah. You know. He uh, produced some amazing cooks though. His day. Oh my god! Yeah. There's yeah. just no. I mean, it's, when I was um, out there, it was like he just launched Trotters to Go, uh, which I remember being really yeah. great. And again, yeah, his people. That was when I was out there in Chicago was when Trotters was sort of being challenged by a small, but True had just opened. Yes. Uh, and a bunch of my friends yeah. who I worked with at RL True. had gone and worked at True. Yeah. And so I went in the there once. There? Uh, Rich Romanto, yes. was it? Okay. I went in there once. I didn't even eat. It was like a friend of mine was actually a guy who was at Campagnola in Evanston. Ended up managing there. And he's like, dude, you just got to come back and give you a tour of the place. It's insane. And he's showing me, like, the walk-in and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen. And, like, you know, all the all the teacups and everything are all Versace. And they have yeah. that, like, that crystal <laughs> yeah. caviar staircase yeah. and everything. Like, just well-funded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It was really uh, – so I think, I think that was sort of like they kind of all came to kind of dethrone. Charlie Trotter prior to that was sort of like the – Yeah, the uh, grandfather yeah. of uh, But then all restaurants like True yeah. and even like Blackbird yeah. came along. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and just put – I mean, Chicago is another great food town. I mean, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, Graham Elliott? Yeah. Yeah. So he won the food and wine with me. So we got close. Oh, he was on your, he was in your group. He was on our tour. Oh, my God. I love that guy. He lost a lot of weight, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, he ended up like on Ramsey's master chef thing, right? He is one of the, you know, Ramsey has the master chef show on one. Oh, on master, I don't watch that. My parents watch that. Well, um, we don't watch it either, but I know Grant, um, I mean, Elliot uh, does, does that show. And I yeah. saw him on He's like super thin. And, yeah. But he, Dude, that he is so creative, so charismatic. Oh, he's and, uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Good for him, like amazing actually guy. taking care of himself. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. God <laughs> forbid. I would, you know, I always look at skinny people and like they look so comfortable. <laughs> they look like they could just do whatever. They can just get up and move yeah. around and breathe and stuff. Yeah, and they look so comfortable. Are they having they do fun that. though? <laughs> What's that? Are they having fun? Yeah, they are because they can do all the drugs they want because they're skinny. They'll never have a heart attack. Look at Keith Richards. <laughs> Zach Wild had to quit drinking uh, back in. Uh, yeah. There comes a time. Well, he um, like all of us, you know, he had that moment with the doctor. The doctor's like, well, if you drink as much as you tell me you do, I always go when I go and I fill out my thing for like the physical. Yep. They're always like, does this say? 125 drinks a week, or is this 12.5? <laughs> right. I'm like, no, it says 125. Right. And they're like, I'm like, oh. But, uh, People you... aren't usually honest here, are they? Why would you lie to your doctor? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. what are you going to gain by lying? Who are you trying you know. to impress? What? You think they're going to judge you? Yeah, it's like they're already judged you. Trust me. They, can, they know <laughs> they things know. about you that right. you don't know. So Zach Wilde eventually, but, you know, uh, he asked you to You take breaks, doctor. though, right? Huh? You, take, you take breaks? I think, I've, breaks, I think I bumped into you along the past years, and you've been like, breaks. "Oh, um, that's that's." Oh yeah. As long as you give the body a chance to like recover, whether it's on the weekends or every other year or 
whatever. As long as you just recognize it and don't. Right. I think the worst are people who are in denial. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, sure, I, I drink a lot. And a lot of times I'm much more functional when I'm not drinking. And so there's a lot happier. But yeah. and those periods are what they are. And I'll talk about them as such. But it's like then they are followed by other periods. Right. But the worst are people who, like, I think are terrified of being, like, labeled an alcoholic or they think that, like, that couldn't be me because that's like a, that's a person yeah. with a paper bag in a, in a ditch yeah, somewhere, right, right. you know, and you're like, oh, it's just somebody who, when you start drinking, you just don't really like to stop. Yeah. Funny <laughs> that that, that would even be a thing in our culture. Just so acceptable. Yeah. It's, it, and I think now in yeah. our culture though, and I still call it ours, even though I don't work in restaurants anymore, but it will always be my culture. <clears throat> but I think that's more of a, a prevalent thing with the sobriety. Like they have all yeah. those, like the dinners, like Jamie Bissonette and like Andrew Zimmer and all these people will do like the the tasting menu dinners with all yeah. non-alcoholic pairings. Or uh, of um, Joe's um, in Montreal there. Yeah, um, Joe Beef, those Joe guys. Joe Beef, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, he's really made an impact. A huge impact. That yeah. that that one article, I think it was in Bon Appetit, yeah. is it's um, Dave McMillan and uh, Fred... Uh, just inspired a lot of... Yeah, he like started like a group. just changed. He started like a group for people. So he's like, he's like, this is an AA. He's like, this is just place that we can all be like-minded and not want to get, you know, because he, he, he actually, he, he framed it really well and that I relate to and that, you know, in our twenties, you just, you know, you go like hell and you don't feel good necessarily, but you like, yeah. you can, your body can take all the, you know, and in your thirties, you're still going really hard and you start feeling it more, but you, there's still the excitement. But then your forties hit. Yeah. And then it just starts a lot of times it feels just like a, it's like a struggle. It's just like, you know, you're trying to a kind of chase that dragon, but also you just can't like, and people have these expectations of you to be a certain way, but you just, your body can't like take that. Right. And you just, you feel like shit all the time. And that's what he finally realized was like, you know, I don't need to feel like this all the time. And he puts it, and I like people when they, people who stop drinking or even go off and on, I just like people who are realistic, people who aren't self-righteous, who don't go you know, preaching grandstand about everyone should be like this. Yeah, everybody yeah. should be like me, and you have a problem, and blah blah. Yeah. blah. Like people who can just be honest. Yeah, it's like it's tough for all of us. It's like I love to drink I, and I, I hate to drink. I look at it as uh, energy management. Like That's in your put it. in your twenties, you've got excess, so you can you can squander it. Thirties. Yep. Not so much. Some more, some less. You have more, you have more priorities. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then there comes a time, and some people have the endless energy that can just keep rolling. Keith Richards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never been a big drinker. Weed was always my thing. And yep. then five years ago, it was just like, um, it's like, wow, this isn't serving me anymore. I don't have the energy reserve to burn away on it uh, anymore. You know? And a lot so, of people have a hard time with that honesty with themselves. Because they're like, oh, well, because it's, it's about why you, you do it. Like, is this something you do because it's an emotional crutch? Yeah, right, right. Or is, is this it, something uh, you do because it's just habit? Or yes. is it something you do because you need it or you perceive yourself right. to need it? Or is it something, you can, like you say, you can yeah. just let it go? Like, what is yeah. something you I can't imagine your life got any worse. I mean, and I always say, like, this yeah, is something yeah. I repeat a lot, but like, Nobody ever wakes up in the morning and is like, God, I wish I drank more last night. Well, like you were right. saying before, you're just asking those hard questions about yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's important that. that you need need to do that. <clears throat> For me, I started analyzing it. And I was like, 
before Rob stoned, after Rob stoned, what's all this energy going into to it? And uh, then you start evaluating it and you come up with your own solutions, you know? <clears throat> but in your 20s and 30s, you can just burn yeah. it away. Yeah, you can watch it, but it doesn't feel as necessary to deal with. Right. Because you can over, you know, you it's... Right. And, and yeah, it's just, there's a yeah. stigma and you're just kind of like, about when the older you get, you analyze yourself way more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about, I talk about drinking on the show a lot. Yeah. And I talk about it from a sober perspective. I talk about it from a drunk perspective because I think that, you know, it's all about both, you know. it's And every time if I'm doing an interview and I'm like, maybe I'm on the wagon, I will say that, but I'll always preface it like, well, but the next time yeah. you talk to me, <laughs> right. this, this may not be the case. <clears throat> right. Like at I, I think I read into you at Speckled Axe, you were reading some heavy book on uh, yoga <laughs> yeah. or something. I'm like, Joe's in the zone right now. <laughs> We've talked a lot about Portland and Maine in general, and as far as the the way that the food scene, I don't like to use that term, but we both know what it means. The food yep. scene has sort of evolved and changed. And, and you and I were talking earlier about how, you know, Washington Avenue in its current state, all of a sudden, it happened very quickly. It was like all mm. these restaurants opened up, and you were like, there's no way all these places can be really good. And all of a sudden, they, they all were really yeah. good. Yeah. And this, this became, but then in, in between, you had these like old standbys like Tucasa, still there, still killing yeah, you. Know, yeah. like, yep. So you've got like all this great food on this yep. small strip of road right. in Portland. Right. And it's not like people haven't noticed. I mean, everybody's buying up condos. Well, let's talk time, about the small strip of road. Yeah. As Portlander, two of us, you would avoid Washington Ave because it was full of potholes. Yeah. Tucasa was it. There was nothing to come down there for. Yeah. And also, there's no southbound uh, right. entrance. No, you have to go so down not the Fox best Street. Right. business model to open up on that mm -hmm. street, north, northbound only. <clears throat> and uh, again, opening up this space here adjacent with uh, Tim at Oxbow was oh, it'd be commissary kitchen if we get some traffic at the window it'll be good yeah. whatever and then um, next thing you know the city's paving it doing the sidewalks we're like what the fuck the city's investing in Washington Ave the, like yeah. the most it's the last frontier outside of like Anderson Street <laughs> who down knew? yeah who, who would have thought this would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and, uh, and it keeps on going. You know what Pliny did with Terralinga across the street yep. is just amazing. And you got uh, yeah, Tomas at the... Monado. Uh, at, at Monado. Which, is, which reminds um, me a lot of Miyake on Spring Street. Yes. The shop. You, know, you got Kong Tuba, you got the shop. shop. You've got Drifter's Wife, even though it's not there anymore. Which is going to be something else amazing. Yeah. Or pigeon, and whatever that's going to be. it's a great wine shop, yep. <laughs> regardless. Right. You know, and, and again, Montreal you still have... Bagel Company oh, there. The, Ram um, the Ramona's. Oh, yeah, Ramona's, that, Chad's yeah. Place. Yep. And then you still, like I said, you still have Tucasa. Tucasa, which ever goes deserves away, to stay there. If Tucasa ever leaves, that's going to be They're, my uh, 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 loose beef tongue tacos. Yep, the tongue Western taquitos, tongue. or you get the yep. enchilada salvadoreña yeah. with tongue, or the mountaineers plate, which is carne asada, yeah. fried plantain, avocado, yeah. fried egg, rice and beans. But oh my we God. we feel fortunate that uh, we we're just going to open up a commissary kitchen here. Yeah. We ended up being part of the Washington this. Ab vibe. This is it. And uh, it's fun. Yeah. I, th I feel like it's got the Brooklyn kind of edge going on, uh, meaning right. it's quirky, but if it's delicious, people come. 
And, uh, you know, everyone complains, oh, there's no parking in Washington Ave. I'm like, well, where is there parking in, in the Portland? Old port. Yeah, like, where are you going like- to... This is what I tell people. I'm like, drive around till you see a spot and walk. Because it's not that far. It's not that far. Nothing is. You could park one spot and walk all the way up to the West End and back yeah. without any effort. And it's funny. Nobody really goes... I mean, the old port's kind of like... I mean, there's still things there, but everything, like, it's almost like it starts at eventide and to the East End. Yeah. Like, it starts at, like, Franklin right. and Middle, your, your, your namesake restaurant. Ross Franklin, Franklin Ave is to deal with old Portland crowd, old port crowd. The, uh, and the cruise ship crowd. Cru- yeah. Cruise ship, college, just, yeah. It seems like a good place to have a business in the old yeah. port, but you've got to deal with a lot of yeah. shit. And, you're, and everybody there. is here. Like you come, you drive on Washington <clears throat> Avenue on a Friday night. It's yeah. crazy. It's going off. Like yeah. I mean, like every place is full outside, yeah. inside. Like it's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. well, I'm glad that you've been able to become a part of it. And I think that like it's been amazing tracking your career. You know, being and working for you and, and watching. Just you have yeah. had so many different lives. You know. Yes. I mean, it has to feel really good. And it I does think feel that, good. you know. Portland's well, been really good to us. Yeah. Yeah. We're I mean, still so happy to be part of what Portland is now, you know. I mean, it's 20 years since we came into town. And still we really want to live in the woods now. But, uh. <laughs> well, you kind of technically do yeah, live in the woods. Yeah, we're warriors. But you somehow found barely. the best of both worlds. You live in a luxury treehouse. <laughs> that's I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, you know, it yeah, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. But uh, I and everybody else are uh, very happy that you are still here and still doing what you do. So yeah. thank you well, to thanks, Rob Evans. Joe. Well, thanks for asking me to do this. I looked yeah. at everyone that you've done it with, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Joe, it's about time. I know. I was. I said the same thing to Chris. I was like, <laughs> why have I done an episode with Rob yet? I don't know. It's, it's yeah. almost like when I see you. You know, it's like I saw you at Aragosta, yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, right. fuck. I gotta, oh, yeah. We got to do yeah. that. Well, that's by design. <laughs> I try to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But uh, when it comes to local activity like this, I am 100% in. Oh, so. Happy to have you here. Uh, yeah. I'm Joe Riccio, and this is the Food Coma Podcast. <laughs>